Hey everyone, welcome to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Marie-Pierre, and for all my English friends out there, you can call me Marie. I am a registered dietitian with a background in psychology. My passion in life is to help individuals heal their relationship with food and their bodies. If you're tired of dieting and tired of restriction, you are at the right place. I'm hoping that this podcast will help and support you as you heal your own relationship with food and your body and give you the tools, the resources, and the knowledge that you need to finally ditch the diets. Every week, you will be hearing from guest experts and myself on all things food, body, and mind. I am so happy that you're here and I cannot wait to support you on your journey. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I hope that you are doing so, so wonderful today. I just want to take a moment to say thank you so much for being a part of my community on the podcast. I'm so pumped that we get to connect every week and I want to say thank you for taking your time. I do not take it for granted. I know there's so many things in our life that we could be doing at all times. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time to be here with me and connecting with me here every week. And if there's anything that you want to hear about, if there's anything that you're like, oh, I wish that you would talk about this topic or that topic, send me a DM on Instagram. Let me know. I want this podcast to bring you so much value. So if there's anything that you want to hear on the podcast, definitely let me know and I'll be happy to address it in a future episode. Now, today we have a really exciting podcast. I'm really excited because we are inviting Katie on the podcast, who, who is a retro dietitian and a fitness professional, and she helps women stop dieting and start living. So she works with women to eliminate the all or nothing mindset and replacing that mindset with one that celebrates life and all of its victories. So she works both through nutrition and fitness coaching to be, to help women become experts of their own bodies. So this is super interesting because today we're going to talk about the intersection of intuitive eating and intuitive movement and how movement can actually be a really important part in our healing journey. I am so excited for us to connect with Katie and I hope that this episode will be really, really helpful for you in thinking about the way that we perceive food in our body and the similarities between intuitive eating and movement. So on that note, my friend, let's get into the episode. Katie, I'm super excited. Hi. Good morning. So glad to be here. So glad that you are here. So I was just telling Katie before we press record, my dog is extra today. He's very extra. So if you do hear him throughout the podcast, he's uh, he's part of our conversation today. So he wants to enjoy it. He wants to be part of it. <laughs> yeah. He's like intuitive eating and movement. Yes. I have thoughts about this too. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, before we get into um, the topic, do you want to tell us maybe a little bit more about you, what you do and your origin story? What got you to do the work that you do today? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Love this question. Such a loaded question. It's like, okay, what's the least with the most I can tell you, right? Um, so my name is Katie. I'm a dietitian with a virtual practice based out of Indianapolis and in Indiana. So I do a lot of the same work that you do, definitely serving um, primarily women, but some men as well who struggle with 
disordered eating, unhealthy relationship with movement, body image work, right? All those things that uh, for me and my background were so normalized that now, you know, on the other side with intuitive eating, realize, wait, you know, we, it doesn't have to be like that. So my background really started um, in fitness. So I became a personal trainer, was teaching group fitness all while, you know, studying to become a dietitian, Um, spent some time as a fitness presenter where basically I would train the trainers to teach group fitness in their studios and doing that, you know, I, I really fell in love with group fitness. I fell in love with the feeling of movement, the community, right? All those aspects that I think are benefits of, of movement, but it definitely got to a point, the more I, you know, move forward in my career of really equating my body weight to my worth and feeling this pressure of, you know, if I'm going to be a, a dietitian, a fitness professional, I have to look a certain way, right. In order to be successful, in order for clients to want to work with me, I have to have this image. Right. And so for me, that really meant taking, um, you know, eating and movement to the extreme, right. To the point where healthy eating became this badge of honor. It became my identity, right. I was known as the the fitness person and it wasn't until gosh, I guess, early starting as a dietitian where I took, you know, some different clinical roles. I spent some time actually working in a weight loss clinic. Uh, I was a tube feed dietitian for a little bit where I realized, oh, there this isn't helping people just giving them, you know, rules and and diets. And I always felt a disconnect from what I learned, especially as a dietitian, that primary, you know, medical nutrition therapy of how we give people air quotes results has to look a certain way. And so Mm -hmm. for me, I I burn out from a physical standpoint, you know, realizing that I, I can't exercise like this. I don't have time. I'm, I'm moody. I'm right not present in the moment. I'm really hyper-focused on what I'm eating. And so for me, intuitive eating kind of came naturally. It was, you know, I'm just going to pause. I'm going to start to listen to my body. You know, what does it actually want? What does it actually need? You know, what is, why is it that I can't take a rest day? Why is it that I feel uh, anxious if life comes in the way and gives me a rest day? And so really going through that own journey for myself, I realized with you know, practicing as a dietitian, oh my gosh, there, this is, this is everywhere, right? Once you learn about diet culture, you can't unlearn it and you see it everywhere. And, you know, in your relationships and just acquaintances, people that you meet, you know, day to day and just in our society. And so um, that is where I decided, okay, this is where, <laughs> this is where my purpose lies is I need, need to help people learn what I've learned. So, so that's just a, a little bit, <laughs> a bit yeah, about no, my story. I, I love I love that. And thank you so much for sharing with us. Like, I think for me, a few things I picked up is like one, the intersection of like fitness and nutrition and how both can be very supportive, but very harmful, you know, like yeah, absolutely behind it. And when they're like, like both of them may have that piece of like, I need to look a certain way to be valued, right. With nutrition, mm-hmm. I think as dietitians, like a lot of us had that like feelings of like, I need to be a thin dietitian to be taken mm-hmm. seriously. But same thing with a fitness instructor. Like I need to look a certain way to be, so there's so much like external pressure on us. Um, so it's, it's really interesting, like having been in that space to be able to be like, okay. And like me doing this doesn't work. And, like, that's the mm-hmm. second thing that I find interesting because I had that like incoherence too, of like, what I have been taught and how I have been taught to 
give plans and give things to people. I'm like, if I were to take my own advice that way and give myself a plan, I'd be like fucking triggered, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Wait, what is it that like what I'm told to do for others? Like doesn't actually work for me. So why am I doing it to others? Right. And, and I saw that early on with, with personal training was that's part of where I felt started to really feel this disconnect was why is it that my clients are failing? You know, I use the air quotes failing, but in a lot of times that industry success is looked at as weight loss, right? If you can get your client to lose weight, well, then they've been successful, right? Or that that's been their goal. And I realized there was a huge disconnect and you know, why were they feeling? Why was I feeling? Why was it that people can't stick to diets and really kind of this, this double standard it's, it's, but it's so normalized, right? It's, I agree. (laughs) Well, all those before and after photos of like the only way to be successful at fitness is if my body changes or yeah, like if I, if I take care of my nutrition, it has to be because I care about my I don't know. I remember one time I was at the gym and, and one of this guy was asking me like, what are you training for? Like, you're trying to lose weight. Or are you trying to do this? And I'm like, no, I'm just training because I like it. And like, it was a, t- a personal trainer. He worked at that place and he was just kind of like, okay, but what, why? <laughs> like, mm. well, because like, we don't need to have fucking like weight loss goals to move. <laughs> like, can we not? Right. Yeah. And so that was, that was hard when I had that realization as a fitness professional of, you know, I, I'm not going to market myself as a weight loss, you know, personal trainer, a lot of personal trainers would come to me, oh, well, she's a dietitian. So she can help you with the nutrition piece in their eyes, it was helping you lose weight, right. And so that was scary for a little bit trying to recognize, wait, no, I don't, I don't want to promise that I don't want to deliver that I don't want that to be the focus Mm -hmm. of what I'm helping people with. I want them to focus on the feeling. And the reason that I fell into fitness initially was the endorphins, right? The community, the, the sense of accomplishment, all these other amazing benefits that can come with movement when you don't focus on weight. Uh, I love that so much. So I'd love for us to talk a little bit more about how intuitive eating and intuitive movement can kind of connect together. Cause we've talked about intuitive eating a lot on this podcast. It's something that we hear a lot about, like this connection with our body, but all the principles behind intuitive eating. But how do you think like in your experience, like how those, those like principle kind of translate into movement? Yeah. A, a lot of people come into my office when they feel like that they've established a healthy relationship with movement, but they can't figure out the food part, right. Or vice versa. They've you know, started this intuitive eating journey, but realizing that a lot of the ease that they're finding with food, they've, they're not able to translate that to movement, right? So for example, because a lot of people diet as a, or restrict as a way of coping or as a way of controlling, right? And when we lose that, or when we decide that we're not going to use that as a way to deal, if we don't have other tools in our toolbox for a lot of men and women, they translate that to movement, whether that's, you know, training for an event, right? Like a training for a marathon is often a, almost like a disguise of, mm. well, I I'm going to this, I have a goal, right? When the underlying, if we dig deeper, sometimes the goal might be, I still want to lose weight, or I'm still afraid of letting myself eat what I want. But if I can hide my, you know, disordered, movement patterns, 
in a goal that's accepted by society and that's normalized. So, you know, movement, joy, I, I can't even think off the top of my head of how it's actually phrased, but joyful movement, moving in a way that feels good, you know, that is one of the principles of intuitive eating. And so it's helping somebody get to that point where they focus on that feeling, you know, how does, why am I moving? Just like you said, and I think it really all boils down to what is the motive behind the decisions I make around how I move my, moving my body. Am I waking up to exercise, you know, five days a week in the morning because I enjoy it or because I have to, and do I have flexibility in my thinking to, if I wake up and I decide I had this planned, but my body doesn't feel like it. Okay. How's that going to make me feel? Am I able to take a rest day and move on with my life or does it bring up a lot more? Yeah, I love that. And maybe we can talk about some red flags, like the intersection of movement and eating, because you're right. Like, I think a lot of people, when we have, when we can think about having a healthy relationship with food, because I think in my perspective, like when we talk about it a lot, um, but also dieting, like we know, like when we have rules and all of these things, but oftentimes like our food and our movement are very inter related, right? Like folks who are like, well, when I exercise, then I eat well, but if I stop exercising, then I don't care about my food anymore. And it's like very Mm -hmm. like fueling one another. Um, Mm -hmm. But maybe we could talk about some red flags around our relationship to food of like, when is it maybe, um, I don't want to use the word harmful, but when is it maybe less intuitive, less joyful? When is it like maybe a little bit more disordered that they are red flags that we can maybe start paying attention to it a little bit more? Yeah, I have this conversation a lot with clients of identifying what's the difference between grace and grit. I work with a lot of athletes or former athletes or just, you know, overachievers, I guess you could say. And it's how do I find that balance of giving myself grace, being kind to my body, but also knowing, you know, sometimes we need, we want to be motivated. You know, we, we, you wake up and you don't exercise but sometimes you want to push yourself and challenge yourself, right? And get, get uncomfortable because you know, it feels good later. So I think for somebody listening, like one, a major red flag is number one, not being able to take a rest day. Like if, if something comes up, you get sick, uh, somebody, a friend calls you, let's say you were going to go to a class, but a spontaneous, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity comes up where you have the opportunity to connect or socialize. If you find yourself that skipping a workout or not being able to get get a certain number of minutes or, or, you know, energy expenditure in a workout, those can be red flags, just noticing how you're feeling, paying attention to how it would feel. You know, if you got an injury tomorrow and you were told that you need to be, um, you, you need to rest for, for a month, you know, how would that feel? Would you be able to do that? Or would it really create a lot of anxiety, fear of weight gain? um, mood, you know, really impact your mood. So I think that's one red flag for sure. The other red flag would be to go back to your motive. You know, if you, I think for those listeners, if you really dig deep, you know, your why, you know, like I gave the marathon example, are you training because you want to have more endurance because you want to do, you know, you want to cross this off your bucket list, but depending on where you're at in your journey with, you know, intuitive eating, really kind of ask your, you know, okay, why, why is that your goal? Okay. Why you know, keep asking why and digging deeper to the root of it to, to keep yourself in check, to make sure that it's not becoming unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that so much. I feel like you're speaking to my younger self. Like I literally signed up for a half marathon 
And it was exactly that. It was like, this will force me to be consistent and do all the things. Mm. It was like yeah. so icky and so yucky. And like, it did drive that very external piece of us, right? Instead of like internal and wanting to move because it feels good and not because it's been 30 minutes or I have to do it like a certain way. Like when we get very like rigid, I guess with it, it makes it very difficult. Um, And in your experience, because you work with nutrition and you work with fitness, like, do you see, I don't know how to ask this. Like, can you do one without the other? Like when we're thinking of being intuitive, when we're thinking of doing this work, like how important is it to also heal our relationship with movement? I think the two really go hand in hand just because, you know, we've got to move our bodies. We got to, we got to eat. Like the two are just, I think they're so intertwined that it's, as we address one, it's naturally going to impact the other. So I would say, you know, they can go hand in hand and depending on where you're at in your journey with movement, you know, I think we all have something in the back of our minds, whether we're wanting to move our body more whether we're wanting to move our body less or whether we're just trying to find that natural rhythm that, that feels good, that feels flexible, most importantly, feels sustainable with our health. Yeah, I I love that. I love seeing like both of them work together. And I think movement is also a way for us to connect with our body. And I know Mm -hmm. with the eating principle, like we talk a lot about like that connection that we can have with our body and like taking care of our body. Mm-hmm. What would you say to folks who have an aversion to movement? Maybe folks who have mm-hmm. used movement so much as a way to control that when they are doing the healing, it's really hard to go back without feeling like triggered by movement or feeling like they go into those red flags of like all or nothing. Mm-hmm. How could we support that? Yeah. Well, you mentioned that it is, it is such a great way to connect with our bodies, you know, from a physical standpoint as well, right. Noticing what are the physical sensations. There's actually a lot of interesting research out about how, like, for example, yoga, you know, people who have greater body awareness, right. Of like how how their body takes up space in, you know, in this world, they're more connected with their body and they have better balance and better, you know, um, more positive body image. So I think that's really fascinating. So for somebody who's, they're worried that they might feel triggered. I would go back to like, what's your, why, why do you want to move? You know, were there things that you did in the past that you enjoyed that you'd maybe like to reconnect with? Maybe you've only had this conversation with a client recently. She is in her fifties and she did not find movement until later in life because she grew up with a lot of pain, a lot of injury, and really her body was never on her side. Sports were not her thing. She was always getting injured. It just, it wasn't a natural fit. And so later in her life, about her forties, she discovered a group fitness class that she absolutely loved. She loved it so much. She was a regular, it was easy. the, The cadence of it was easy for her. She enjoyed the community, but then that type of movement now here she is at 50 she's feeling it and she's recognizing I can't move my body in that type of way anymore. And so we have this conversation of, you know, you've only explored a, di- a few different types of movement. There's so many different ways to move your body out there. What's important to you? You know, your why has shifted over the years. So can we explore some types of some modes of movement that would match the feeling that you're wanting to feel? Maybe that's starting by just gentle movement. So walking, you know, stretching, um, getting outside in nature, maybe it's activity like 
going for a bike ride. You know, I think a lot of people think that movement or exercise has to be structured. It has to be rigid, but if you can start to just like, if you've done with food, remove some of the rules around movement about how it has to look, how this box that it has to fit and ask yourself, well, what's important to me? Then you can start to take, you know, research or facts about fitness and filter it in a way that feels you right. Just like gentle nutrition, we get to a point where we're able to go, okay, I know that. I don't know. (laughs) And apple has fiber in the skin. So I'm going to eat more apples. You know, you get to decide just like we know, okay, this many minutes of physical activity is beneficial to heart health. Then you can kind of go, well, how does this apply to me in the season of my life? What feels good? And it's, it's just one more piece of the puzzle that's helping you to make more of an informed decision that helps you feel more aligned. Okay. I love all of that. Like if you have not been taking notes, take notes. Like this is so <laughs> like when we have like an all or nothing mindset, like one, that's part of the diet mentality that can, we can work through, but kind of like identifying like, what is the version? Like, why do we feel we have that? But then it's like really about breaking up the rules that we have. Like, I love how you're talking, like redefining movement of like what it can be like for you, that it doesn't need to be half an hour at the gym of high intensity using like these amount of weights and whatever, like, no, (laughs) you know, it can be so many things, but it's finding like what we like to do and how we can apply to our life. And I love how we're like kind of seeing like within your season, within your capacity, within the time and allowing that to even be flexible, which is really hard when we first exit diet culture, because we're not used to being flexible with ourselves. Mm-hmm. A lot of us do very well with like check boxes, mm-hmm. but kind of like allowing that, I think, like you say, is just such a big piece of it, of allowing like, okay, what feels good for me today in the season that I am and cool. Yeah. So if somebody listening, they are that checkbox type of person, right? Maybe before movement looked like, okay, I have to do X number of minutes, X number of days, you know, X numbers of, of strength, this much of cardio, maybe a stepping stone is you just say, okay, I'm going to move my body for X number of minutes, X number of days, giving yourself the flexibility in what you do and how you move your body and a- being able to go okay, how do I feel today? What might feel good today? Will that help me check my box? You know, or maybe it's deciding smaller, smaller increments to get the habit, to focus on the feeling, to just give yourself permission to, you know, explore. Another thing I want to touch on too, is activity trackers, right? That's really popular today. You see them everywhere. (laughs) You know, I, I wear one, like I use it for the watch and so many other functions, but if seeing numbers or things like that is triggering to you, don't wear it. You know, there's a a, a popular studio it's across the world, but here in Indianapolis where I live, it's, it's really popular. And I coach there as well. And they wear a heart rate monitor and they've got numbers up on the screen and that can be data, right? Just like nutrition information can be data. But if that is triggering to you, don't wear it. You can still participate in movement again, know your limits, but maybe you already go to this type of place that has, that is numbers driven. Maybe Mm -hmm. you remove see what there is triggering that you can remove or create some space. So movement feels safer for you. Maybe that's finding an instructor who has body positive, body neutral language and doesn't focus on the calorie burn in class, you know, so it, it does, it takes some exploring, but it's possible. 
yeah, I like that. And I would say too, with the, um, the trackers, I don't know if you would agree to this. Also, if you're overvaluing the numbers, I would try to take a break. Cause I know like that was my issue. It was like, I didn't find it per se triggering, but I was obsessed, like mm-hmm. obsessed with the numbers and how I needed to be. And even like to the point that if I were to go out for a walk and I realized that I did have my watch, like I would come back home to get my watch to go back out because like, why, why would I walk? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. I, I ran into this girl. yesterday at the, at the studio I was at. I didn't have my, someone said, oh, I thought I heard your name, but I didn't see your name up on the board. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot my, my heart monitor's in the car. I didn't feel like going to get it. And she was like, oh my gosh, my friend always says that, well, if you don't wear your monitor, it doesn't even count. And I was like, yes, actually it does, you know, but there yeah. is this, there is yes, such a this. real heart that monitors it for you. Inside yeah. <laughs> So like if you have an activity tracker and you feel that like I have to get the 10K steps in per day, right? Or I have to close my rings or do, you know, check those boxes. If you, if you ask yourself, okay, if I forgot my watch or if I left it at home for the weekend, how would I feel? It's kind of like the same idea of taking a rest day. Would mm-hmm. I still move my body? You know, what would I do if movement didn't impact my weight, it impacts anything else other than how I felt, would I still do it? And if the answer is no, got to do some exploring, got to do some figuring out of, of why. Oh, I love that. Like reflective questions too. Like if the movement I'm doing right now would have no impact on my weight and my body, would I do it? I think that's a really great question to start exploring. Like, are we actually enjoying it or we feel like we should do it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'm just stopping this podcast episode to tell you about the Empowered Eating course. If you haven't heard about it yet, this is gold. The Empowered Eating course is a self-paced course that you do by yourself where you have all the videos and workbooks that help you become empowered with food. And what is empowered eating? Empowered eating means that we are no longer dieting, that we are able to find our own balance. So in this course, you are gonna learn how to become an intuitive eater. So all of the steps that we do, and I teach you step-by-step how we can start developing trust within ourselves, with our body, rejecting the diet mentality, and really connecting back to you. We also talk about emotional eating because this is a big part, right? For folks who are maybe feeling out of control with food, like we're feeling like food is controlling us. This is where we want to get our power back. So in this course, you will learn just that. How can you regain control of food to feel just so empowered day to day? So you don't have to wake up another day feeling like, you know, food is going to control you again or what you should eat, not eat, and all of the food thoughts that are just keeping us stuck. So if you are interested, you can go check it out. The link is in the show notes, and I'll be so happy to invite you to the course. All right, my friend, I hope that you're enjoying this episode. Let's get back to it. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate because <laughs> I'm thinking someone listening to be like, I hate all movement. I don't like to move my body. I've never liked it. I'm not athletic. I don't like it. What do that person like for that person? Like, how would we respond to that? If nothing feels good. I, I would challenge that because I so, so, so believe I've been in this industry over a decade now that there is some type of movement for everybody. Our bodies were designed to move, to feel good. You know, think about kids, right? 
I don't know anybody listening knows many kids who just sit there all day, <laughs> right? They move, they play, they get up, they, they do things. And so for that person who's really feels like, nope, I don't like it. Why? You know, maybe do some journaling about that. What is it that you don't like? Have you only engaged in movement that was painful? Maybe it was shameful. Maybe you were forced to exercise, whether in a sport or in a class, or you had some sort of like traumatic experience. So I would really try to understand your own history and your own relationship to movement. And just because it was one way for so long, just like food, doesn't mean that it can't look a different way. Doesn't mean that you can close that chapter and you can rewrite a new one about how movement fits into your life. Yeah. I love that response too. Cause often, oftentimes I see the same thing is that there is underlying reasons why, right. Or like mm-hmm. often in my experience has been like the way that I feel about my body, or I don't feel like I deserve to do it or like taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. It's so hard because of how I feel of my body. So being able to start to explore the different layers behind it mm-hmm. before like swearing off completely anything, mm-hmm. there's no all or nothing here. We're, we're yeah. living reason. I think reconnecting to to like your, your why behind it. Right. So for me, when I had to really put that weight body aesthetics on the back burner, I did a lot of soul, soul searching, like, well, what, what does it mean to me anymore? Right. What's the point. And for me, I watched my grandmother pass away from Alzheimer's. And so when I started to really learn more about the many benefits that physical activity can give us, that's a big motivator for me. So on days where, you know, I don't feel like doing X, Y, Z or whatever, my motivator is like, I got to keep my brain sharp. I got, (laughs) I have too many years to live still, you know? So maybe for somebody listening, figuring out are there health, you know, what are your values when it comes to your health, when it comes to how you want to show up in this world? And can you find a, a mode of movement or just when you move, think on that? How does this feel? Where do I feel this? What does it feel like? Yeah, I I love all of that so, so much. I thought it could be cool if we could kind of go through maybe some of the intuitive eating principles that we, a lot of the listeners would know a lot about and kind of like reflecting back to, okay, how do we apply that to movement? Um, would that be okay if we kind of like went through? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay, awesome. And maybe like for each, we could have like maybe tips on how we can kind of like incorporate more intuition into it. Mm-hmm. So the first principle that we have is like rejecting diet culture. I think that stays in itself, how that can apply to movement. (laughs) Uh, But do you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah. Rejecting that idea. And maybe this is where you see on social media, or if you go to a gym or studio, rejecting this idea that movement has to look a certain way, or that I have to have just like your experience in the gym, you know, I have to have this goal of weight loss in order to move my body. So really going back and going, what are, what does society say about movement? What does society say about bodies in different sport, you know, and can you start to maybe fill your social media feed with larger bodies that are moving, (laughs) you know, for many people, they equate like movement to a certain body size. And it's just like in diet culture, right? Is that just all you've seen? Is that all you're seeing? Have you never seen a larger, uh, you know, someone in a larger body being very active, enjoying movement, you know? So I think that's, could be a great place to start. Yeah. I really like that kind of like rejecting the idea that weight loss is the only reason why we should move, like move, but also that 
you need to be thin to be able to enjoy movement. Like that's yeah. weight required. Yeah, weight weight loss and aesthetics too, just in general. Yeah. I think with fitness, people think of like, I have to be toned or I have to have these certain, you know, big goals big. in mind. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. The second one would be like honoring, typically would be honoring your hunger, but like, I guess, honoring the body that we have, how would that apply? That could be, especially honoring your hunger. You could almost apply that to tying into how does food physically feel in my body, exploring, you know, when, how does food, how does food feel like in your body before you eat or before you move after you move, you know, that might be where some of that practical hunger comes in of, you know, I'm not necessarily hungry right now, but now I recognize that I want to be able to sustain my body through this movement. So I'm going to nourish my body in that sense. So kind of understanding the nuances, you can apply that to how you're fueling your body during activity. Not that food is fuel mindset, that's different, <laughs> but starting to explore the physicality of it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. Okay. So making peace with food, how would that apply? I've changed it to like making peace with like body and movement. I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think going back to what we discussed, just letting go of the rules. And, and for some people, that's kind of a season right there is not having any structure around movement and recognizing that it's okay. If you want to not air quotes, exercise specifically for a week, right? Just how people have the same experience with food as they're experiencing habituation. They may eat a certain food for a week till they get sick of it. You know, see how it feels. If you decide, if you give yourself unconditional permission to move or not move and you decide not to move for a week, how's it feel? Right. What do you, what do you notice? And so I think again, removing those layers or ex even expectations. Ooh, I love that. I love that. Okay. Challenging the food police. Mm, challenging the rules in your head that are tied to movement that I have to do this many minutes that I have to do this, that I have, have to coulda, shoulda, woulda, right? What do you want to do? You know, what's the truth? What's not just the truth, whether it's the research, what's the truth to you based on your experience, based on your history? with food in your body. I love that. I love that. Okay. The next one is the feeling your satiety or satisfaction. How we could apply that. I think we could apply that with, um, you know, you may, let's say you, you went and you said, okay, I'm going to move my body for one hour. Right. And recognizing after 30 minutes, you're like, actually, I feel good. I think I'm good. I'm done. Okay. I'm going to stop because this feels good today. I'm done. So giving yourself that permission to whether modify a workout or to do less or on the flip side to do more, you know, if you realize like, okay, I, I said, I was only going to do a short workout, but I'm feeling good. I'm going to keep going, you know, giving yourself that permission to find the amount or, or routine that feels yeah. good. I love that so much, right? Just kind of like satiety where we're get you're learning to tune in of like how much does my body need and how does it feel? Same thing with movement of like it doesn't need to have a certain quota. <laughs> like we get mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. check in a little bit more. I love that so mm -hmm. much. Um, yeah. the other one, I don't know if you're gonna I don't know if this one applies as much, but you can tell us. Coping with our emotion with kindness. 
I see this translate a lot like with former athletes, right? For example, running. I work with a lot of runners who that's been their outlet for so long, right? It's been their movement has been their main way to cope. And for a lot of them, that's high intensity, go, 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 no pain, no gain type of attitude. And so it's starting to go, hmm, movement's a great stress reliever. It's a great tool, but is it the only tool? Do I move in order to not feel or to not deal with whatever's going on? Because same thing with food, if that's the only tool in our toolbox, well, that's not necessarily the healthiest either. Mm -hmm. So for somebody listening, figuring out, or the flip side, maybe exploring how does movement make me feel? How is it impacting my emotions, my bandwidth to deal with harder things? So I think starting to see the connection between movement and the emotions that it can stir up. Yeah, I love it. And I wonder if you see like at sometimes that it can become like too much. Cause I know there's like on social media, we see a lot of like the gym is my like therapy. And then we're like, okay, at some point, like, wait, <laughs> like yeah. therapy, <laughs> movement. but there is a lot of research that so that like movement can help with mood um, and like stress release and all of these other things too. So like, kind of like, I guess knowing the benefits, but knowing the limit of it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that I have a, like a, I had a headband that said, therapy in session. Yeah. And I totally bought into that idea of like, it's therapy. And then it, actually I discovered therapy and do you write? No therapy is therapy. So I think again, somebody listening, they know, you know, like if you dig deep, you know, why, you know, the why behind it. So really exploring like, huh, is this the best way? Is this the only way that I'm dealing with the hard stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's how I see it too, of like, of course it can be a tool in your toolbox, but if it's the only tool, mm-hmm. same thing mm-hmm. with emotional eating, right? Emotional eating can definitely be a tool in your toolbox, but if it's the only tool and the only thing we can rely on, then that's where we want to start like maybe exploring other things too. Yeah. And if we're talking about the mental benefits, right? The, the impact on anxiety and depression, looking at the research and record or recognizing for you, do I feel the same benefits with a shorter, like, do I have to do the X number of minutes in order to get those benefits? Or can I actually just get those benefits from a shorter duration? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Kind of like personalizing it to you. Mm -hmm. Again, no Mm -hmm. rules, no like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. The next one is joyful movement. I think that one is pretty straightforward. (laughs) Getting to enjoy movement again. Yeah. Finding the fun. Like that's, for me, group fitness is my jam, but also I love putting on some headphones, listening to a podcast and, you know, throwing around heavy weight. And so figuring out what, what things, what type of movement lights you up? What do you like about it? Is, do you like individual? Do you like being in a group? Do you like a combination of both indoor, outdoor, you know, what do you want to feel when you get done? And can you find a mode of movement that would match that? Like there's, you know, dance, right? Dance makes us feel a certain type of way compared to doing a distance or um, lifting weights. I think every, it's got its own feel. Yeah, I love that so much. And then when we think of like, I guess like that piece of like gentle nutrition or like honoring our health, mm-hmm. how does that apply with movement too? It's going back to like, what is my body telling me? What What's, what's the research say behind movement? How can I what's the research say? What are my values? How can I mix those to 
to fit me best. Maybe that means, okay, I know that strength training or resistance training two to three times a week is really beneficial to my bone density, to, um, you know, longevity, muscle tissue, all these things. I don't love strength training. So I'm going to push myself a little bit outside my comfort zone to figure out how to fit that in, in a way that feels good because I know the benefits are really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's like still allowing to make health fit. And I think that's something that people are really scared of when we are like thinking about taking away the rules and like leaving diet culture behind. Like, I think there's always the fear of like, ah, but like, I still want to be healthy. And if I Mm. don't have external pressure, like maybe I won't want to. And I think like, it's such a cool thing where we're able to be like, no, actually it can still very be like very well be a part of your life. And like health can still be a value of yours. And Mm -hmm. we're just not doing it from a place that feels like shameful. And that's actually more harmful. We're actually doing it from a place that's just a little bit more aligned and feels better. Yeah. And you can definitely have, I get this question a lot, like, well, can I have fitness goals? If, and I think again, going back to your why you can absolutely get to a place where you can set really challenging, really awesome goals around fitness and movement, but keeping yourself in check of when is it becoming obsessive? When am I becoming hyper-focused? When is the why, when am I losing the why? And I, you to talk about marathon training. I experienced when I first started training for my first marathon, it was just not healthy, right? (laughs) The decisions, the why behind it not listening to my body, pushing through pain. Right. And then recently I trained for another marathon. It was a totally night and day different experience, (laughs) right? Like doing it for the fun, not having any pressure tied to it. And so for somebody listening, you know, just explore that and you'll know when you're ready to set goals around movement again, but just like food, you kind of have to go through this experience. You can read, you can listen, you can (laughs) learn all about it but you kind of just have to go through it yourself to learn more about yourself and your why and your motives and all those things before you can then do some experimenting, I guess we could call it. Yeah. I love that. Cause I think like folks who are like very like type A perfectionism, like those types of folks are very, very driven are also very attracted by like diets, diet culture, because it's another way to kind of like fill that. So Mm -hmm. it really sense that like even when you're you're out of diet culture you're like oh but I still want to have goals like I still want to be able to have things or if that's totally totally okay like I talk about that all the time too because like there's like this weird idea that like letting go means you're letting yourself go mm-hmm. no not the truth like you can still do goals and like I'm the same now like if I do competitions like I'm like it's just different now it just doesn't come from a place of like being in lack and being restrictive and being deprived it really comes from a place of like fun and growth and challenge mm-hmm. and like I'm typically someone who is more competitive so like that really fills that need for me you know so it's yeah like, it's not a bad thing yeah no no but it's like trying to find your balance through that which is a challenge of its own but a really cool thing that we get to explore when we are leaving diet culture behind mm-hmm. yeah but- and it looks different for everybody Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So I'd love to know, like for someone who's listening to this conversation, who has maybe been in the process of healing their relationship with food and their body. And now they're like, okay, you know what? Like I'm ready to kind of like look into my relationship to movement, maybe start doing some of the work there too. 
what would be some suggestions or some tips that you'd have for them on where they can start? I would first start with just learning and exploring some of the benefits from movement, the short term, the long term, and figuring out first what's important to you. Going back, right, because chances are you probably have to redefine your why. If you're getting, you know, you're kind of resetting this journey, you probably have to do some some digging of why is this important to me? Because if you don't have a why, right, we hear this all the time, like motivation, I just need to be more motivated. And it's like, the the motivation, especially motivation for weight loss, that's not going to get you up and out of bed and moving, you know, let's say before you go to work at 9am, right, You, you really have to have a deeper reason. And so for somebody start there, and then just start experimenting, experimenting with different types of movement, exploring And at the end, or as you're finishing up, you know, session or type of movement, really pressing pause, almost like you do with eating, right? You kind of, kind of that mindful eating, it's like mindful movement. How does this feel? If it doesn't feel good, what didn't feel good about this? Okay, how, what could I experiment with next time to maybe make this more enjoyable or more aligned with what I want to feel? So I think that could be a really great place to start. I love that. Like a lot of like building the awareness of what you actually want. Like, I think that's really cool. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I think this was a super cool conversation, like talking about all the nuances when we are doing this work and like reconnecting to movement itself. So where can people find you? Where can they work with you? Tell us a little bit where we can find you. Yeah. I love to hang out on Instagram. My Instagram handle is kt. K-T-H-A-K-E. Uh, I have a podcast as well called Fit Friends Happy Hour, where I interview a lot of other fitness professionals, dietitians, where we talk a lot about kind of the intersection and, and how to, you know, continue to explore and then take action. I love that so much. So everything will be linked in the show notes so you can check her out and go check out her podcast and her Instagram. So let's finish up with some fun questions before we go. The yeah, first- please. What is your favorite food? This is so hard. <laughs> and like ask it, it's like trying to pick a favorite child. I think it depends on the season. But for me, definitely, I've been on a pizza kick lately. And I know that's a very generic answer. But there are so many new and upcoming pizza places in Indianapolis. Like, it's so fun. Because even though we could have pizza every week, it's like totally different types, different textures, different flavors. So I'm going to go with pizza right now, but ask me tomorrow and I could change. (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. All right. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Oh my goodness. Um, probably be like super fast, like lightning fast because I am chronically running late and I'm working on it every day. (laughs) Like lightning speed. I could just not have to be in my car, just like be there, things like that. Wow. I love that so, so much. Okay. Logistic question. Would you be like slash where you also then have to like eat a lot of food to compensate for all the running you do? Yeah. I'd, I'd totally be okay with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you watch that episode. I find it so funny. I'm like, I love how they count like the energy expenditure, the, the metabolic. Uh, yeah. I'm like, this is good for my brain. Yes. All right. Uh, what is your favorite way to self-care? Oh my goodness. It's shifted so much, especially over the past couple of years. Mm. Recently, my relationship with movement has evolved and, you know, exercising from home a lot more. And we recently moved into a new house and 
I've created this little space here that's like my office slash studio. And so I love just in the morning when I could do it. I don't do it every day, but when I can, um, it's still dark. I literally light a candle. It's so cheesy, but it kind of creates this like, I don't know, just like a really wonderful way that I ease into my morning. I might sit on the bike and pedal my feet. Like you can't see me, but like very, very slow or just do some stretching. Like, I don't know. I love that way starting my mornings lately of when I can just with calm, nobody's texting me, nobody's emailing me. It's just like, okay, breathe, be where your feet are set, how you want to feel for the, for the day ahead. You can't, you can't really see this, but this is my, it says intentional. It was my word of the year last year. My best friend, she printed it out and, and got it for me. And then this year, my podcast manager got me a keychain that said intentional. So I was like, okay, I guess that's going to be my year again, <laughs> or my like, word of the year again this year of, okay, like, really setting each day with intention. I love that though. That is so, so good. All right. And then last question for you, what does balance mean to you? I don't know if there's such thing. I go back and forth with the word balance of like, mm-hmm. what is balance, right? Because I think it changes and shifts, but I think for me, balance is keeping my priorities in check, knowing when the priorities have to shift. Mm. And ultimately at the end of the day, right? Like if I were to pass away tomorrow, feeling good about like, I did I did the best that I could and it's good enough, right? I love that so much. It's like allowing again it to be flexible, however mm-hmm. that's gonna look every day. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I think there's a lot of like really good gems throughout the podcast. So I hope that you guys also really liked it and we'll see you next week in the next episode. Thanks so much. great. I hope that you've learned a lot when it comes to our relationship with movement and how healing the relationship with movement is also part of the healing journey itself. I know for myself, um, movement had become very much part of the disorder or had been a very big part of the control piece. So it was so important for me to start redefining movement and changing my relationship to it as well. So I hope that you found this episode helpful. I hope that you got a lot of amazing information from it. And if you want to connect, please do so on Instagram at The Balanced Dietitian. I'm always here to connect with you. And if you've liked this episode, please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a review. It really helps us spread the word and encourage other people to do the healing work. On that note, my friends, I hope you have a wonderful day and we'll catch you next week.